10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Formwald, and thank you ever so much for joining me once again. It is my great honor to have you here. Man, we've got a lot to talk about on this show. I guess it's been about uh, just about two weeks since I talked to you guys last, and man, a lot of stuff has happened since then. It seems like the whole country has been turned on its ear, and so has the world watching the nonsense that's going on here. So we got a lot to talk about, a lot to get to. Put your feet up on the table here in the Treehouse of Liberty. You guys know you don't even have to take your shoes off, and let's rock and roll. So why don't we start out with a little good news, because God knows there's not much of it in the country or in the world right now. But it looks like, finally, the saga of General Michael Flynn is about to come to an end. Um, An appeals court ruled that Judge Emmett Sullivan had to accept the DOJ's withdrawal of charges against the general. This after Sullivan accepted amicus briefs, or friend of the court briefs, trying to find reasons to prosecute Flynn without the DOJ continuing the case. Amicus briefs generally are not submitted in criminal cases. In five years in law enforcement, I never saw one. Listening to every attorney I have heard talk about this case, they have never seen one in a criminal case. Sometimes that will happen in a civil case. Say, for instance, uh, a judge is hearing a real estate case, and he's not as familiar with real estate law as another judge might be. He may send a letter to that judge saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not quite as familiar with this as you are. Can you give me an idea of how I should base my decision in this case? And that judge will write a brief called an amicus brief, friend of the court, to the, the presiding judge and give him his thoughts on how things should go and what the applicable laws are you almost like i said you almost never see this in a criminal case i can't think of one example off the top of my head um to put it in perspective imagine that you're arrested for dui and the prosecution decides whatever reason to drop all charges against you say you've got a perfectly clean record you were just barely over the legal limit they decide this was a simple mistake you're not going to do it again they drop the charges but then your judge solicits reasons from parties outside the case to explain why he should go after you anyway. And that's exactly what happened to Flynn. It could not be more of a travesty of justice. And I truly hope that Sullivan, who is a black Obama appointee with clear bias, is permanently removed from the bench. I mean, could you imagine if Trump's DOJ was prosecuting a black general that was appointed by Obama? And the case was dropped. And a white judge decided, nah, I think I want to keep pursuing this. And so he solicits reasons from other people that he should continue to go after this black general who is an Obama appointee. How is CNN going to report that? Racist white judge goes after black general appointed by Obama for political reasons. And that is exactly what happened here. I mean, we, we knew this was all political. I told you guys probably two years ago 
that this case was entirely fraudulent. We know that Hillary Clinton's campaign paid Christopher Steele, a Fusion GPS, to compile a false dossier of information that incriminated Trump. He solicited the assistance of two Russian intelligence agents, huh, Russian interference in our election, to put the dossier together. And when it was done, Steele himself would not even stand behind what was in it. Andrew McCabe, who was McCummy's lead prosecutor on the case, said, quote, Without the dossier, there would be no FISA warrant, end quote. So without this compilation of false information that Hillary Clinton paid to a British intelligence agent to get bullcrap from two Russian intelligence agents, they wouldn't be able to get a warrant to wiretap and spy on the president. And remember what happened during the campaign when Trump said he was being wiretapped? Everybody laughed at him. Everybody said he was insane. Everybody said he was paranoid. You know what he was? Exactly correct. Exactly correct. The Obama administration did spy on him. They spied on him with a, with a fraudulent warrant. The entire case was criminally fraudulent. And every person who signed that FISA warrant application, which was renewed four times, each time committed a federal felony. Comey signed it. McCabe signed it. Each one of those is is perjury in front of a federal court. Four of those, goodbye. You should never see the light of day again. And consider the fact that it was used to stop a duly elected president from taking office, or at least that was the attempt. I mean, that's borderline treasonous. Actually, it is treasonous. But it's just disgusting. Comey and his little henchman, Peter Strzok, used that false dossier to multiple times obtain FISA warrants to spy on the Trump campaign, to wiretap the Trump campaign, and later a president-elect. Do you understand? Of course you guys understand what this means. My audience is the smartest anywhere in the world. But think about this. Here's the very top levels of the FBI being used to try to stop a duly elected president from taking office. And as Strzok said to the agent that he was having the affair with, compromising him as an agent, he should not have even been in that position because that could be used against him and he could be extorted. He said to Lisa Page, when she asked if Trump would be president, he said, and I quote, no, we'll stop it, end quote. The man in charge of the FBI investigation said that he would stop a duly elected man from becoming president of the United States. And the Obama administration tries to say they were scandal free. Their scandal makes what Richard Nixon did look like a child. Nixon sent two bumbling idiots into the Watergate Hotel to get drunk in a closet. Obama used the FBI to destroy our democracy. Or at least that's what he tried to do. It's disgusting and he is vile. And so is his little henchman, Joe Biden. Obama and Biden both were in all of these meetings. I told you from the get-go, none of this could happen without Obama knowing every single thing. 
Nobody else was reporting that at the time. Not any of the networks, not Fox, not Rush, not Hannity, not Levin. But I told you there was no way this was happening. No way whatsoever this was happening without Obama knowing, and he did. He is the most vile president we have ever had. And we've had slaveholders who were president, a number of them. Obama tried to destroy this Democratic Republic because he couldn't stand that his hand-picked little wench got her ass kicked by America. And that's exactly what we did. His fragile little ego couldn't handle it. You know, and Flynn shouldn't have even been unmasked on these wiretap calls. If you're an American and the FBI is investigating a foreign agent of some kind, and you're on that line, and you're not part of the investigation, your name is supposed to be hidden. Guess who submitted an unmasking request? Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Have you heard that on CNN? ABC, NBC, CBS, New York Times, Washington Post? No, but you hear it here. You know, it gets to the point where I seriously have to wonder, as much as I love you guys, I wouldn't trade any one of you for the world. Why in the hell am I sitting here with a little podcast while these idiots on TV boldface lie and don't cover actual stories? I've nailed every single part of this case. Every single part. Not once have I been wrong. And we've had Pulitzer Prizes awarded to people who reported total bullcrap. Several people in the New York Times got Pulitzer Prizes for reporting on the dossier, which had no merit. None. And when all the wiretapping didn't work, of course... Comey sends over two agents to talk to Flynn at the White House. Now, they circumvented all the White House protocols. The agents talked to Flynn, told him he was not being interviewed. He asked if he needed an attorney. They said no, denying him his constitutional right to counsel. Then they charged him with lying to the FBI when they denied him counsel and lied to him about not being interviewed. And furthermore, the agents that interviewed Flynn didn't think he lied. Peter Strzok pushed that, and he wasn't even there. And there are actually some allegations that they may have threatened to prosecute Flynn's son, and that because of that, he fell on the sword. I mean, any good father, any good soldier, if they have the opportunity to protect somebody that they love, they're going to fall on the sword. I mean, I, I just can't believe what an utter disgrace the Obama administration was. And I can't believe that Attorney General Barr has come out and said that Obama and Biden are not going to be charged by John Durham. Because if I know Obama and Biden were in charge of this criminal attempt to take down our Democratic Republic, so does the Attorney General. So does Durham. So does anybody in Washington with any sense and with any privilege to any information whatsoever. You know, and congressional Democrats, while all this was going on, 
We're accusing Trump of being a Russian agent and working for Vladimir Putin. <laughs> it was Democrats who used Russians to interfere in our election by creating the false dossier. Of course, they then impeached President Trump without basis, even though the president of Ukraine said he was definitely not a victim of the quid pro quo and he didn't feel any pressure at all. And of course, the, the most disgusting part of this is that Democrats have taken no action when they know for certain it is not a question. I've listened to the tape myself. Joe Biden committed a quid pro quo in Ukraine, forcing them to fire the prosecutor that was investigating his son, Hunter, and telling them if they didn't do that, they would not get the $1 billion in the aid we had promised them. And again, he's talked about this publicly. It is precisely a quid pro quo. And Democrats make no effort to do anything. If there would happen to be any leftists listening to this show, let me address you personally. There are not two sets of laws in this country. I discussed this several years ago as well. If you believe you're above the law and can prosecute people of opposing parties for committing zero crimes, you are heinously and disgustingly un-American and opposed to all of the values that we hold dear. But of course, you do believe in unequal treatment under the law, and you do espouse the most un-American of values. I'll get into that more in the next segment, believe me. But make no mistake, it is the leftists who are our enemy at this point. And it's high time that Americans take action. It is my fervent prayer that John Durham bitch smacks the left into oblivion. We know that Obama and Biden were aware of and participated in the discussions regarding illegal spying on the Trump campaign. They are criminally liable. And I hope the DOJ changes its course and slams them to the fullest extent of the law. I would love to see Barack Obama go to prison. And if Democrats do have any decency whatsoever, they will aid us in the prosecution of the actual criminals. Well, it's fun to see that NASCAR has driven completely off the deep end, pun intended, from banning the Confederate flag to allowing a Black Lives Matter car that supports only one skin color, of course to calling for an FBI investigation into what was not a noose in the Talladega garage area. I, I'm done. I will never watch another NASCAR event. Never. They know damn well that no one that brings a Confederate flag to the track uses it as a symbol of white supremacy. I have been to four races, three of them in the South, and each time, I have seen fans of all types, all skin colors, all genders, all everything. And not for a moment was there any issue. Because believe me, if there was, I would have been the first person to come there to their defense. You know, NASCAR is a big family. It's like a freaking Woodstock for rednecks. 
You know, it, it's all drinking and, and eating and having a good time and brotherhood and, you know, all of those things that you would hope to see at a sporting event. It doesn't have the fights that you see in the parking lot at NFL games. It doesn't matter what driver somebody roots for. You know, it's like one big happy family. Yeah, you want to kick the other guy's butt, but personally you don't have any issue with them. I mean, it's just, I don't understand. I really don't. You know, I don't know if any of you guys have family or friends in the South, but they're a different breed. And in some ways they're a better breed, I think. You know, for the most part, the South is God family country kind of people. You know, no matter who you are, come over to my house, sit around the fire, and let's drink some sweet tea. That's the South. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your sexual preference is. You know, that Southern heritage, that Southern pride is important to them. It's not about slavery. It's not about the fact that the South tried to destroy the Union. It's about a different, slower like I said, in a lot of ways, better way of life. And I think that's something that they should be proud of, to be perfectly honest. You know, is the Confederate flag necessarily the best symbol to choose? Maybe it's not. But just because a totally irrelevant hate group has commandeered that as a symbol of whatever the hell it is they believe, doesn't mean it should damn it for everybody. I went to a race in Richmond, the capital of the Confederacy, incidentally. Um, and my buddy and I sat next to a black couple. Not, a, not only was there not an issue, he and I actually plugged their headsets into our Gemini unit, which has four ports so that you can plug headsets together and talk to each other. If you've ever been to a NASCAR race, you know that you can't talk to each other unless you've got a headset on. We plugged their headsets into our Gemini so that we could talk to them during the race. We were white. We still are. They were black. I assume they still are. You know, they were Kyle Bush fans, for God's sake. Nobody likes Kyle Bush. And we plugged our headsets in so we could talk to them, too. You know, the entire narrative in this case is completely false. NASCAR fans aren't any more racist than any other group in this country. And that's in spite of the fact that that idiot race baiter, Jamel Hill, said that, they, that finding the noose, allegedly, in Bubba Wallace's stall showed, quote, who the sport is for, end quote. In other words, she's saying that the sport is for white racists. And that was her clear insinuation. There's no mistaking it. And frankly, I am absolutely stunned that she is permitted to work in any journalistic capacity anywhere. She is the personification of hate and falsehoods. And she is a disturbed human being. And don't take my word for it. Go look at her Twitter account. I mean, it's, it's kind of scary. If she was white, the FBI would be at her door right now. Oh, speaking of the FBI, yeah, they went to the track, 15 agents... 15 FBI agents to investigate this quote-unquote noose. And they found that it was a garage door pull. It was tied to a handle of a garage door that when it was up was too high to reach. 
And so they had a rope on it so they could pull it down. There were at least 39 other garages in use that day that were set up precisely the same way. But it's like NASCAR and Bubba Wallace's team and Bubba Wallace himself doing interviews everywhere he possibly could talking about how hateful and evil and racist it was. Turned it into something that it was not. It never was. From the time I heard the first little bit about that story, I said immediately, that's not true. That didn't, that's not what happened. I knew for sure it wasn't what happened. And you come to find out that, yeah, that's not what happened. And it kind of makes me think, you know, if people like Jesse Smollett have to fake race-based incidents, and if people like Bubba Wallace's team have to fake race-based incidents, do we not have enough race-based incidents happening in this country? Are we maybe not as racist as the idiots on the left try to say we are? And to be perfectly honest with you, if you're a NASCAR driver or you're a NASCAR crew member and you're too stupid to recognize a door pull, it is not safe for you to be in the garage. Get out. Get out. I mean, for your safety and for everybody else's safety, go ahead and take your racist paint scheme and go home. And take that racist bullhorn, Jamel, with you. This past weekend in Chicago, 104 people were shot. 14 of them died. Five were minors. One was a 13-year-old girl. And one was a 3-year-old boy. All shooters black, all victims black. There was also a 3-year-old shot and killed in Baltimore. Black victim, black shooter. Not one of them was shot by a police officer. Not one member of Black Lives Matter showed up to protest. Not one member of that terrorist group could even give you the name of one of those victims. And yes, I called BLM a terrorist group because that's exactly what they are. Terrorism is defined as using violence to affect political change. I can't think of anything that could describe BLM any better. Same with Antifa. Same with all the other idiots out there of all shades, burning, looting, murdering, and terrorizing our cities right now. Oh, and Antifa, you can piss all the way off. You want to tear down statues you disagree with? You want to keep rational white people from speaking? Sounds pretty damn fascist to me. You can't handle a dissenting voice. Get right down to it. Maybe you should change your name to Fa. How dare you tear down statues and deface our monuments? How dare you vandalize the World War II monument? My grandfather was a World War II vet, and you're damn lucky he didn't climb out of his grave and kick the hell out of all of you by himself. And how stupid are you to pull down and face statues and monuments of white people who were opposed to slavery? Abolitionists. You're pulling their statues down. You really are that damn stupid. And I think that's the representative intelligence level of your entire bullshit movement. BLM and the other terrorists out there right now, you are a complete farce. You have turned me eternally against any cause you support. 
In fact, if you want to start destroying statues, maybe some honky-tonk will come along and C4 the MLK monument in D.C. into a bunch of little pieces that are free at last. And I view MLK as the top three American of all time, period. Simply one of the wisest and greatest humans this country has ever produced. And I certainly don't actually support the destruction of his monument. I'm not a terrorist like you are. But when you tear down statues simply because those people look like me, you can go to literal and actual hell. It's funny. I started this most recent mess fully supporting the family of George Floyd. We all did. This is probably the first time in recent memory that all 330 million of us were on the same page. That man was executed. That cop deserved to be punished to the fullest extent. We all agreed on that. I wanted justice. I wanted it to be swift. But due to the terrorism of the worthless freaking leftists, I no longer care. I don't care. I don't want any kind of police reform anymore. I don't care about the people laying waste to my country. I don't care about their causes. I don't care. And they have done this. Solely and completely, they have done this. I'm disgusted by every mayor and governor that's caved to their hate-filled and racist, let's say it again, racist violence. And I hope that their fraudulent movement is crushed. And for those using violence, crushed by any and all means necessary. And I do mean any. Until then, Black Lives Matter, consider getting on my level. Care about the toddlers being murdered on your streets, not mine. Yours. Care about the middle school girl that looks like you being gunned down by someone that looks like you. Care about the other 12. At least, I mean, at the very least, get to the point where you care about as many black lives as I do. When 92% of black Americans that are murdered are murdered by other black Americans, guess who the problem is? The other black Americans. The culture that allows it, the communities that perpetuate it. And the leftist pigs in your governments who can always count on your vote, but do nothing to improve your life. I may not look like you, but if you use that to determine that I'm your enemy, you further prove that you are the problem, not me. Like I said, when you don't care about your own toddlers being butchered by people that look like them, you don't give one half of one good goddamn about black lives. But being typical of every single modern leftist movement, you can't be bothered by things like facts. If you want to talk... If you want to have an honest dialogue about all the things that are ending black lives, by damn, I will gladly sit down with you and have that conversation. Happily. But if you're not going to care about little three-year-old Makai James, if you can't instantly give me his name when I ask, don't ask for my help. And if you continue your violence... Expect me at some point to be your direct hindrance.
I will never support fraudulent terrorists. I'd much rather hang with the Americans at a NASCAR race. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I have been, as always, your host, Jason Fornwald. Thank you so much for being here. Man, we had some fun today, didn't we? <laughs> Sometimes I get up on my soapbox and I, I get a little worked up, and I appreciate you guys. Anybody that listened the whole way through, God bless you. I'm not sure I'd even want to listen to this show the whole way through, which I'll have to do when I go back to edit it, but that's okay. You know, it's it's my mess. I guess I have to clean it up. Um but as you guys know, I always like to hear from you. There's a couple of different ways that you can contact me. I am on Twitter at Treehouse1776, at Treehouse1776. You can also find me on Facebook. It is the Treehouse of Liberty podcast page, Treehouse of Liberty podcast page. And you can also send me a personal email. And my email address is JDF as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom, at gmail.com. I love to hear from you all. If you listen to today's show and you staunchly disagreed with me the whole way through, I want to hear from you, please. I don't want this show to be one where I just preach at you. I respect you guys far more than that. Um, if you agree with me, I, I don't mind hearing from you either. I appreciate it and you know all the love and support and comments that you guys have given me over the last couple of years. Um, just beyond grateful for that. But I want this to be a dialogue. You know, as I've told you before, I don't want this to be my show. I want it to be our show. And it's not ours unless your voice is shared as well. So please do get in touch with me. Please share your thoughts. Share your comments. I will give you the entire half-hour show. You know, even if you disagree with me, I will give you a whole half-hour show for a simple monologue if that's what you want. You know, I can do an interview. I can do a Q&A. I can read a, a, a comment from you during the show. However you want to do it. Agree or disagree, let me hear it. Present it. Let me get it out to the world as well. So much love to you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in again. This has been the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your grateful host, Jason Fornwald. Thank you all so much. Take care.